2: Studios. that stinky old movie house why would i spend seven dollars to see a movie that i could
3: watch on tv well why go to a fine restaurant when you can just stick something in the microwave why go to the park and fly a kite when you can just pop a pill
2: i'm Brian de los santos and this is how to la the show that helps you discover los angeles you may have noticed independent movie theaters are having a moment. Many of them just turned or are turning 100 years old and several have reopened after extensive remodels. I mean, have you seen the new Egyptian in Hollywood? It's pretty spectacular. This matters because movie history is Los Angeles history. Some of these older venues can tell us a lot about the early days of Hollywood and this city.
3: The Egyptians opening essentially consecrated the launch of Hollywood as an institution.
2: And what's cool is that they continue to create spaces for community, to come together and watch a film on the big screen.
1: The film prints, they're supposed to be enjoyed by an audience.
3: All of this machinery is just so you can see something on a calendar, get excited about it, and then go and enjoy it with two, three hundred other
0: people. L.A. has so many unique theaters that are you know outside AMC, and also we're so excited to see something here and know that they have a slate of movies to show.
2: Having things like The Egyptian or I Love Going to the Cinematheque in Santa Monica and those Los makes movies feel special and kind of like an event that's worth going to. So today, we're kicking off a new 10-part series we're calling Revival House. We're going to take you inside these spaces, the vintage spots and some newer ones to explore their past and their present and help you connect with some indie theaters in your neighborhoods. Our guide is How to L.A. producer Victoria Alejandro, our Los Feliz girly who loves to explore entertainment and the arts in L.A. She was also a producer on the Academy Museum podcast. So if you love your film history, you should check that out anywhere you get your pods. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and be back with more about this series and what we'll learn from it.
1: Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to
3: the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get
0: ourselves a treat.
2: Hey, y'all. We're back with producer Victoria Alejandro. Hey, Victoria.
0: Hey, Brian.
2: I, I know you're pretty tapped into the movie scenes and you love them. First off, can you just explain the title of the series, Revival House?
0: Yeah. So Brian, a revival house is just the name for a movie theater that shows or revives old movies. That can be an older film from any era. It can be a movie theater that also shows new movies or has live events or shows independent film. So a revival house, they're really all over Los Angeles.
2: I feel like the first thing that pops into my mind is like an old-timey, small theater, but they're also community hubs, right? I remember going to the Egyptian with you and being like, whoa, this is so cool. I saw a movie on Netflix, interestingly interestingly enough, um, that was set in Italy, and this was back in the 1970s when there was a lot of civil unrest around the world. And it was a queer love story and how the cinema house was kind of like where these boys met. And I'm like, I just imagine that these movie houses were a place of community to meet other queer folks or just people in the neighborhood and find themselves.
0: You're really nailing it. That is actually exactly what our first episode is going to be about. It's going to be about uh, the New Art Theater in Santa Monica, which opened in the 1930s, kind of changed hands until 1974 when Landmark Cinemas purchased Mm. it. So they're celebrating 50 years of being owned by Landmark this year. And that's a theater that's really synonymous with the Midnight Movie and the rise of the Midnight Movie. And a Midnight Movie is really something that is often too literally queer to kind of be shown in a mainstream way. Give yourself over to absolute pleasure
1: Swim the warm waters of sin without the
0: and they've been hosting a live performance of the Rocky Horror Picture Show mm-hmm. for also the past like 50 years. Uh, so yeah, it's really it's a space for cult and queer cinema, welcoming all kinds of moviegoers and community. Um, and Brian, have you ever seen Rocky Horror Picture Show?
2: I have not. <laughs> I
1: think you would love it. I have to check it out.
2: So I'm curious to know more about you and your love with movie theaters or movies themselves. Uh, You know, what is your experience like going to these revival houses? How often do you go?
0: Yeah, I go all the time. I go truly like once a week. I'm at a screening of something. And I love movies. I really see them as a way to connect with people, which is why I was so driven to make this series and to make it really about community and connecting with folks. Um, I started dating somebody right as the pandemic was starting in 2020. Our first date was uh, March 4th. (laughs) And so obviously our second date got canceled. And the only thing we could really do for the two weeks we quarantined and then the year that followed was watch movies together on FaceTime and then watch movies together alone in Mm. one of our apartments. And it was a lot of, like, us programming double features for each other and saying, like, this is really this was really important to me in high school. Or, like, I watched this with my dad growing up, and it's why I love horror now. And it's just really the only way we could connect and get to know each other inside our apartments. And so at a lot of these revival houses, these vintage theaters, when an older movie is screening, somebody will come out to introduce it, whether it's somebody who works there or it's a film critic showing their favorite movie. And they'll usually get up there and say, this is why this is my favorite. Here's why I'm excited to watch it with you. And it becomes an experience of sharing in something with people, hearing what excites people and what makes them laugh or cry or jump or get scared when you're just all in a big room together. And so one of the theaters we're going to be checking out is the new Beverly that's been owned by Quentin Tarantino for over 10 years now, I think. The programmer Jules McLean sums up the feeling really well.
1: I know so many people that have met their husband, wife, partner here, you know, friendships, just because they came to the New Beverly. And there's a lot of people that come solo. So I think that is such a myth about, oh, I'm afraid to go to the movies alone and stuff like that. I run the New Beverly. i got lots of friends. I can't tell you how many times I come alone to the New Beverly or other theaters. So And I feel like I'm not alone.
0: It connects people in a really cool way. You don't have to be a film insider or a film school grad to enjoy screenings at these theaters. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll discover you actually love that three-hour-long French film from the 70s.
2: I love this as an L.A. date night idea. I mean, you kind of just sold your love story here, right? Yeah. (laughs) Your love of movies, but also the love for your partner. I love that. I went
0: to a screening at the New Beverly with a friend. It was a double feature, and I left after the first movie. And when the second movie ended, she sent me a text that said, "As soon as you left, the person next to you scooched over. We talked, all intermission, got each other's numbers. We're going to go on a date."
2: Wow, mask maker Victoria. Go
0: meet somebody at a movie.
2: (laughs) So, Victoria, what's your favorite theater in the city?
0: I love the Los Feliz Three. I'm a sucker for it, partly because it's in my neighborhood. It is my neighborhood theater. It's a 10-minute walk from my apartment. And it's right next to an independent bookstore that I really love and a really famous late-night diner called House of Pies. Mm. I was talking about the experience of walking to that theater with historian and film professor Ross Melnick and— He says that's really what a neighborhood theater experience is all about.
3: I don't think you have to be a nostalgist to love that idea that you might meet at a cafe and go to the movie and then go to the bookstore, which might be inspired by a theme or a topic that the movie brings up. And that all of it is part of this very perennial experience, what people have been doing for a long time. And you're just sitting passively, supposedly, in a movie theater. You're not connecting with anyone. But in fact, you're connecting with the filmmaker and the actors and everyone else who put that film together. And then you're connecting with everyone else around you.
0: It's part of the fabric of the neighborhood, and I really will see anything there. Like, I trust whatever is playing at that theater to give me something that I'll really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Here's what Ross had to say about that.
3: We choose theaters because they are sometimes because they're close to us and sometimes because they speak to us. People who go to the Arrow might just as well go to the Egyptian, but either way, they're going because that is their filmmaking community. And then they make that community there. They meet friends there. They make new friends there. But mostly what they're doing is they're sort of signaling this is where – this is my neighborhood bar. This is the restaurant I choose. This is the chef that I want to eat the food from. This is a, a theater that is speaking to me and that if at its best, you go to that theater not necessarily because you know the film but because you know the programmer. That is just like trying something new on the menu at a restaurant
2: that you love. You trust the chef. I want to talk to you about the goal of the series because it's not just really about checking out movies. It's really about checking out your community.
0: Yeah. What is the hub of a neighborhood? What is a community gathering space? What is something to do that is walkable, that turns a neighborhood into a place that is alive? So we're going to really be talking about the role each theater plays in its neighborhood, the history of Hollywood and greater L.A., and why each of these theaters is still around today. So we're going to the west side, we're going to Mid-City and Hollywood and that Silver Lake Los Feliz area. And not all of these spaces are 100 years old, like the Egyptian or the Vista. Some have sprung up in the more recent years, but overall these spaces have seen a lot of change and a lot of change in the city throughout the decades. And, of course, there was 2020 when the future of all of these theaters was majorly uncertain.
3: Not only did we lose all of our commercial movie houses, but the idea of rep houses and art houses ever reopening felt a bit um, remote at the at the worst stages of the pandemic. So to see these theaters being opened across the city and also see huge crowds coming to them, sold out performances um, – a clamor and a kind of uh, a cinephilia reemerge, it, it can't feel anything but wonderful.
1: Here's the new Bevs, Jules McLean again. It's just nice being part of the landscape, and it's nice to see new theaters popping up. Vidiot's and Eagle Rock, amazing. The Academy Museum is coming up. You know, we have our friends at the American Cinematheque. There's just a lot of theater going on in L.A. The Vista just reopened. How can I even forget that?
0: We're going to be visiting and talking about all of these spots and more in this series. I think that's something that's going to come up a lot is this question of a communal experience. Yeah, The thing I personally love about seeing older films at these theaters is just how excited people you might not expect are to see a movie. I really used to think that I wouldn't feel welcome or comfortable at some of these theaters that maybe have more like film bro reputations. Mm. But a lot of these places are just full of people of all walks of life having fun and sharing something they love.
2: I, I will say that going to the movies, I feel it's such a sacred experience because I'm a crier. Oh, like, me too. I cry <laughs> at rom coms or any like dramatic scene in a movie. Um, emotion evokes my emotion. So, um, I just feel like when you're in a smaller theater to watch a movie, it's just the emotion is even more intense.
0: It's also really special to go to a screening of something like Jurassic Park oh, or like the yeah. Muppet movie, and Nostalgia. you see so many parents bringing kids oh. to their first time at the movie theater. And they're sharing in something that they watched when they were a kid. And you can just hear, like, kids being like, oh, my gosh, how does Kermit work? Or, like, how is that dinosaur there? And it's so, there is something really magical about that passing on.
2: Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's I appreciate, really nice. I love
0: that. It's really cute.
2: You, you, we just spoke about what kind of movies uh, are played at these revival houses. But can you tell us more about that?
0: It's truly, like, you can watch a Cronenberg Body horror classic like *The Fly* or *Dead Ringers*, and *The Muppet Movie* in the same theater like a week <laughs> apart. A lot of these theaters host film series or film festivals like noir, horror, two thousands comedies, action. It can be anything you're looking for. Now that we're in full swing with award season, places like the Vista in Los Feliz just screened *Oppenheimer* again. Interesting.
1: Yeah, we can.
3: This is like when we, we had seen it already multiple times, but like this is like one of the few places showing it like
1: on film, you know. We like just what? wanted to catch this one here for a new site, new experience, and it's really nice in here. So I wanted to see first of all Oppenheimer in the the seventy millimeter. Um, I wanted to see up at the Vista for sure because I love old Hollywood, old architecture. I I love that people are still keeping, um, you know, the the golden age cinema movie places alive
0: or vidiots in eagle rock and the arrow in santa monica have been hosting nominated actors and filmmakers to talk about their work
2: oh okay and then
0: of course you can get some counter programming and if you're a little tired of you know these big blockbusters from the last year and watch like roadhouse
1: there's still people here who will be discovering roadhouse for the first time congratulations
3: to all of you all you have to do is follow three simple rules one Never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary.
2: And three, be nice.
1: Roadhouse is the poster child for a studio movie that is audacious, it is unapologetically ridiculous. Let's watch fucking Roadhouse! (laughs) So you visited
2: several theaters for this series. What have people been saying? The audience members, maybe even the people who work there.
0: Yeah, truly, like, no hate to AMC, no hate to the Nicole Kidman ad. Purr. People are really excited to be somewhere that has character and personality where you can feel the history and, like, feel a little transported through time. Here's what some folks had to say.
3: I used to come here years ago, and I've been coming for, like, the past 20 years. I just moved here, so we're getting to know the... All the vintage
0: theaters, yeah. L.A. has so many unique theaters that are, you know, outside AMC. And also we're so excited to see something here and know that they have a slate of movies. So I'm really excited to highlight these spaces for our listeners and get folks into their neighborhood theaters and see something that really connects with them.
2: I'm also muy excited to hear more. Revival House is a 10-part series that will run most Thursdays on How to L.A. But just to get y'all hooked, we are dropping part two tomorrow. Tune in as Victoria explores a Newark Theatre in Santa Monica, which has been owned by Landmark Theatres for 50 years. See you then! This series will be produced by Victoria Alejandro. Assistance on this episode was provided by Monica Bushman. Our other team members include Evan Jacoby... Megan Botell, and Erica Washington, and our intern, Tony Morales. Our engineer for this episode was Donald Paz. Our executive producer is Megan Larson, and I'm your host, Brian De Los Santos. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes L.A. a better place to live.